Good morning, everyone, and good evening. I'm Bridget. And I'm Sam, and we are your hosts for this installment of Coffee and Conversations. Welcome. Uh, Coffee and Conversations is a monthly interactive sit-down event hosted by Seesaw. Every month, we'll feature honorary guests and experts from a diverse range of industries and fields to lightly discuss topical themes important to the life sciences and language services industry. So sit down and relax, pour yourself a coffee or a hot drink, and enjoy. This month, we are joined by our special guest, Dr. George King from Jocelyn Diabetes Centre to discuss patient diversity and its role in patient-centric care, specifically regarding the care and treatment of patients with diabetes. Great. Thank you very much, Bridget. To begin, patient-centricity is a concept that has been taking the life sciences sector by storm for the past several years. Basically, this concept means designing treatments and clinical trials that are centered around the patient. Already, it is a well-established fact that different ethnic groups have different reactions to medications. In addition, different ethnic groups may be affected by diseases differently. Therefore, to develop truly patient-centric care solutions, clinical trials and research must be conducted on a wide variety of diverse ethnicities, genders, genetic backgrounds, and lifestyles. Embodying patient diversity is vital to providing patient-centric solutions for major global diseases such as diabetes. It is predicted that by 2045, the number of people with diabetes will increase by over 50% in the Middle East, Africa, and in South and East Asia. In fact, by 2045, China, Pakistan, and India will be the top three countries with the highest number of adults with diabetes. Because these ethnic minorities usually develop diabetes at different BMIs and react differently to diabetes treatment, incorporating patient diversity in clinical trials is essential for developing patient-centric solutions for diabetes treatment in the future. Thanks, Bridget. That's really fascinating. Okay, so now let's introduce today's guests, uh, Dr. George King and Ms. Shinny Yi. Dr. George L. King is the Chief Scientific Officer at the Johnson Diabetes Center. Founder and Director of the Asian American Diabetes Initiative, or AADI, and Professor of Medicine of Ophthalmology at Harvard Medical School. Dr. King founded the Asian American Diabetes Initiative in 2000 to research diabetes impact on Asian Americans and provide them with culturally appropriate diabetes educational materials, outreach programs, and clinical treatment programs. Dr. King has won numerous awards for his research, such as the Champalimau Award, the most prestigious award for vision research in the world. Dr. King's pivotal research led to legislative change pertaining to the screening of Asian Americans for diabetes at a body mass index of 23, which is a lower BMI screening than for the general population. Welcome, Dr. King. Uh, we're so glad you can join us today. Shinny Yi is the president and CEO of CSOF International and CSOF Health Sciences, which provides end-to-end -end medical translation services for all phases of the product life cycle, as well as market access consulting, medical writing, and CTD, ECTD submissions with the FDA, EMA, and NMPA. Shuni is passionate about education and has contributed to the Michelle Obama's Let Girls Learn initiative, the Hopkins Nanjing Center for Chinese and American Studies, and the Dexter Southfield School. Recently appointed the co-chair of A Taste of Ginger, an initiative by the Jocelyn Diabetes Center, Shinny continues to work towards promoting health equity across the world. Welcome, Shinny, and thank you for joining us. Shinny and Dr. King, the floor is yours. Thank you, Bridget. 
Thank you, Sam. Good morning, Dr. King. How are you today? Good morning. Thank you for having me. It looks like uh, another beautiful day in Boston. And we're so uh, excited having you join us today. So, Dr. King, so my first question, the pandemic has affected almost every country in the world, has changed the way we access healthcare. People with pre-existing conditions such as diabetes has increased the risk of severe complications. There are over 422 million people across the globe who have been diagnosed with diabetes, including 34 million in the United States. So Dr. King, can you give us some insights how diabetes treatment has been managed during pandemic at Johnson Center? What are the challenges to your diabetes patients to care for themselves during this crisis? Thank you, Shoni, for uh, having me. So uh, it is true that diabetes has dramatically changed when the economy and the government and all the healthcare pretty much uh, on outpatient basis shut down about a year ago, with the exception of caring for people with uh, COVID-19 infection. Uh, diabetes uh, uh, care uh, also slowed down, and we pretty much convert 90% to uh, telehealth, either with video or with uh, telephone uh, connections. Care continue, however, it's not has not been optimal due to the fact that uh, for us to care for people with diabetes, which have complications such as heart disease, kidney disease, eye disease, leg problems, feet problems, we need really to be able to see them and have lab tests and various measurements for them at each visit. So even though we could see them and talk to them, we cannot actually listen to their chest, listen to their heart. Most of the time we cannot uh, have lab tests done. So I think the uh, advances in uh, medical care, if we want to switch to telehealth, has to improve in those aspects. For example, everybody should have blood pressure measurements. Somehow we have to listen to their chest or listen to their heart. We need to have lab tests done on their kidney function. How are we going to examine their eyes? Uh, because that's a you know, major cause of blindness in the world, uh, diabetes is. So that has been a major uh, obstacle. Now, in the last six months, we have slowly have come back to, uh, to the clinic. Now, what telehealth can do is uh, allow us to see patients uh, more often, perhaps, in between our usual four to five months uh, per visit for uh, the uh, interval between each visits with patient. Therefore, potentially, we could actually enhance the, their care by a hybrid of uh, telehealth and uh, in-person uh, visit. Uh, I hope that provides some information. Yeah, Dr. King, what are the most challenging things, you know, during pandemic they have to care for themselves and um, do they, I think maintain a healthy kind of living style is, is important. So what, what are the, what are the things particularly in, in Jocelyn Center are, are providing the guidance and during this period of time to, to your patients? Well, it's huge amount of challenge uh, for people with diabetes, as you may know, that if you have diabetes, the chances of 
having severe COVID, uh, either being hospitalized or intubated or death, it's actually at least two, if not three or four flow higher. So it's incredibly important to have the vaccine if you have diabetes or do protective mechanisms, wear a mask, uh, avoid crowds in order to uh, avoid getting infected. Now, what can you do uh, to improve those odds? Uh, you obviously need to uh, control your diabetes better. So if your glucose is high or uh, A1C, which is a measurement of glycemic glucose control over the last three months, needs to be low, like around seven. That has clearly been shown to decrease the severity of COVID if you have diabetes. In addition, uh, if you can lose weight, this is another important factor that's shown to be increased uh, intensity of COVID infection. So if you are overweight, uh, then you need to lose about 5% of your weight and other things uh, you could do now, if you have diabetes, one thing during COVID you have to be care of, be careful of, is actually to have ability to have your medications. There's been some difficulty in accessing uh, your health healthcare providers to get the prescriptions, in addition to get the uh, medication from the pharmacy. So make sure you have three to four months supplies of your medication in case there's some interruption of, of supply, and uh, and also the care for your you know, how to measure your glucose and so forth. And lastly, certainly nutrition has been very, very important. So eating diet, uh, correct diet for people with diabetes is critical. So make sure you have a good access to food, to fresh food, especially. And so these are something you can do for yourself in order to manage your diabetes and prevent the infection with COVID. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Kim. So um, <clears throat> I have a, um, uh, a data that uh, Bridget or Sam, can you put on the screen? So this is a map um, provided by IDF, International Diabetes Federation. And it provides the latest figures, information, and projections on diabetes worldwide. Uh, estimated by 2045, there will be over 700 million diabetes or pre-diabetes patients worldwide. And see, um, as Bridget, you know, indicated at, at the beginning, and so there's a rising rate across the global, particularly in Africa, Middle East, the Southeast Asia. One in two Asian American will develop diabetes or pre-diabetes in their lifetime, and 51 of them currently undiagnosed. So Dr. King, you, um, I know in the upcoming X talk, you're going to talk about health disparities. So the disadvantage differences in health are either due to health policy or science. And the conceptual model of health disparities in clinical trial is related to the science and largely due to lack of information. So can disparity in clinical trial be overcome? And why did you initiate AADI some 21 years ago? What progress has been made? What's unique about Jocelyn's Asian clinic? Well, that's a very uh, important question that you have asked and it's a huge topic. So I'm uh, the topic of disparity 
of development of diabetes in different ethnic groups and their care is really hard to cover in the next uh, five minutes. So let me just um, cover a, a narrow part of it after making a couple of uh, broad statements. So diabetes, the prevalence of diabetes, as you said, is increasing rapidly. So around the world, uh, in Asia, is really the epicenter, so to speak, of, of diabetes. China alone, you have 12% of people over age of 20 have diabetes, and similarly in India. So um, each of those countries alone, you have about 150 million people. So that that's alone is a huge uh, number of people. Uh, then the different story is uh, about Asian Americans. So, so we are certainly a minority in, in, in the United States, but Asian with diabetes is actually a majority for the, for the world. Okay? So why, why is that? Well, we don't really know why the Asians have so much diabetes. Uh, and there are different types of Asians. There are East Asians, South Asians, and Southeast Asians, and you know, many, many countries and cultures. So, uh, but one commonality amongst all the Asians is that we develop diabetes at very low body weight. And this is what got me started long time ago is in my family, we're not really, we're not overweight, yet many of us have diabetes with a BMI or Bosmatic body mass index of only 23. So in other ethnic groups, the risk of diabetes actually don't increase until a BMI of 27. So one disparity is biology. Why is it uh, uh, Asians of all countries seems like have increased rate of <clears throat> diabetes and low body weight. So that's what one reason we started AADI. The second reason is uh, we noticed that Asian Americans was not getting diagnosed with diabetes because we look thin. Second, the care for Asian Americans with diabetes is not very good. So we started AADI in order to improve the care of diabetes in Asian Americans. And now we think that these findings could also be applicable with Asians in uh, Asia. Now, you asked a question of clinical uh, studies. The, you know, it's very important to participate in clinical studies. That's how we can find out whether the medication works or not. In and it is true that uh, in different uh, ethnic groups and racial background, the medication can work at lower dose or they, they work better or they don't work better. And that's been shown over and over again. Perhaps due to genetic differences, or actually due to uh, our lifestyle. For example, there are diabetes drugs that work very well in Asia, but they don't work that well in uh, United States, even if you are Asian or Asian Americans. So it's very important to test medications in different ethnic groups. Now, this is another issue with disparity with Asian Americans because the FDA wants the medication to be approved in the United States to reflect the population of the US. So Asian Americans only five to 7% of the US population. So therefore, five to 7% of the uh, people in clinical trial to be approved by FDA has to be Asian. Now, many Asian Americans really do not want to participate in clinical trials for multiple reasons. So the, where the worst group uh, in the country of ethnic, any ethnic group to volunteer for clinical trials. 
Therefore, most of the clinical trials uh, conducted by company especially uh, use Asians in, in Asia, mostly coming from China, India, and maybe Philippines. So they may not reflect the Asian Americans in that ethnic background. Secondly, the food and environment in Asia is very different from uh, US. So using the study population of Asians from Asia, which is usually 90% of all Asian studies, will not reflect uh, the Asian American responses to medications. So these are some of the reasons why there's a disparity in testing. And that's why it's so important for, for a drug to be approved or a device to be approved. It needs to be studied in uh, the population or the country that it's going to be sold on or be approved. I hope that answers a little bit of your, your question. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Dr. King. So this is uh, definitely, I, I'm sure in the next talk, we, we were looking forward to talk more about it. So I do have one other question. Um, I understand uh, almost one in two, uh, particularly Asian American and all the population in general, under undiagnosed has a pre-diabetes uh, the, the condition. So, you know, encouraging particular certain ethnic group to participate in the clinical trial is so important. So, but, but my question is, what, what are the most, you know, let's say, name two or three most practical tips you could offer people to either avoid uh, getting diabetes or prevent it, or, or if you have it, control it or even reverse it? Yes, that's an incredibly important question. Diabetes in general can be prevented, even reversed. So this is what we call type 2 diabetes. So diabetes are usually uh, in two major groups. One is type 1 diabetes that occurs mainly in children. That's your body's autoimmune destruction of your body in the pancreas, cells in the pancreas that's making insulin. Those are very difficult to uh, control and to avoid. However, most people have what's called type 2 diabetes. Type 2 diabetes is also genetically related, but fortunately we have multiple ways to delay it, prevent it, or even reverse it. Uh, so most Asians, Asian American, 95% uh, have what's called type 2 diabetes. So one usual way is you need to control your weight. As we mentioned before, your BASMAT body mass index should be below 23. Second is increased activity. Uh, for some reason, uh, Asians and Asian Amer Americans don't like to exercise. So we really need to increase activity. If you don't want to so-called exercise, you, you can increase activity, you know, walk to your car, uh, so uh, walk up the stairs in, in the office, don't sit there a lot of, uh, don't sit there all the time, make sure every 30 minutes, to an hour, you get up and walk around for five minutes. Uh, we recommend everybody have smartphones to make sure you accumulate 5,000 to 7,000 steps a day. So those are the simple things you could do. Third part, which is also incredibly important that we find recently, is sleeping. Sleeping is very, very important. You need to sleep between six to eight hours a day. If you have too little sleep, uh, you have increased risk of diabetes. If you sleep too much, you have uh, increased risk of diabetes. And again, for reasons not clear, 
Asians and Asian Americans uh, sleep uh, the least of all the ethnic groups. So we really need to sleep about six hours. Uh, so those are the three most important, obviously food, the type of food uh, uh, you eat, fresh vegetables would be wonderful. If, you know, traditional Asian diet is what you want. Traditional Asian diet is about 60 to 70% carbohydrate, except it's vegetable carbohydrate, complex carbohydrate. So uh, not white rice or bowels or <laughs> men or noodles, uh, but uh, brown rice, um, vegetables, uh, and don't overcook your vegetables. Uh, so traditional Asian diet uh, it, it can actually prevent even reverse your diabetes. So these are some of the, uh, I think, things we can do to uh, prevent, delay, or uh, even reverse our diabetes. Thank you, Dr. King. So uh, just kind of uh, um, summarize a bit, sounds like, you know, oh, we all have to control our weight and um, be more active and eat fresh food, sleep well. And so there is a book, uh, Bridget, if you could show that just a slide called Reset, uh, written by Dr. King four or five years ago. Uh, for any of you interested, you know, whether you have diabetes or your family, loved one or colleague. Uh, so this is a great uh, book and then you could uh, get it from Amazon. Um, I think um, Bridget and Sam, that's the question from me. And then let me give it back to you and then we could get a question from audience. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. King. Uh, let us bring up some questions from, that people have asked uh, ahead of time. So we have one question, Dr. King, from uh, that people asked prior to today. And the first one is, are people with type 2 diabetes more at risk of becoming hospitalized with COVID-19 than people with type 1 diabetes? Or is there a difference? No, the, uh, the data now is very clear that uh, if you have any form of diabetes, you have increased risk for hospitalization and severity of COVID. So it's type 1, type 2, or any other uh, unusual form of diabetes. Oh, another question that we got in, um, this is also related to COVID and diabetes. So how does co how would COVID um, impact someone differently that had diabetes than a person uh, without diabetes? Well, I'm not sure there's obvious difference, but uh, the, the reason uh, that people with diabetes have so much problem is that uh, uh, one is people with diabetes cannot fight infection well. So any type of infection, including COVID, you have a more severe course. Another reason people with diabetes have uh, a problem is uh, lung. People with diabetes, especially type two, have uh, breathing problems, uh, lung problems, pulmonary problems. Since COVID is a pulmonary infection, it is uh, more severe. Another reason is people with diabetes have a lot more kidney, heart, and blood vessel problems. And since those impact uh, greatest, uh, in people's COVID uh, with strokes and so forth. So those are three major uh, reasons for the severity of diabetes in people with diabetes. Great. And then uh, we have one more. Uh, what have been some challenges in bringing new diabetes therapies from the Jocelyn Center's groundbreaking clinical research into reality, both before and after the pandemic? Well, 
That's a huge question. Uh, well, during COVID, obviously, it's huge because our clinical trial um, studies are put on hold for all new studies. So we could only bring people in uh, for ongoing studies. So that have just started. <clears throat> so that's a, a major issue. Before study, uh, is uh, there are a lot of good ideas. Uh, the, the, the study, the, the impediments are one, obviously funding. Funding is uh, difficult. Clinical trials are, are expensive to do. Uh, the, uh, the carry out of the study, we need patients. Now, fortunately at Joslin, we have a lot of diabetic patients. And in addition, they are very loyal. So usually recruitment is only 10 to 15% successful for a number of patients. But at Johnson, we can easily get 30 to 50%. So, so along those lines, uh, uh, we, we have advantage. So those are some of the major advantages and importance and uh, difficulty of clinical trials. Thank you once again, Dr. King. Unfortunately, those are all the questions that we have time for today. On behalf of CSOFT Health Sciences, we uh, sincerely thank Dr. King for his time, as well as Shumi uh, Yi for a fascinating and insightful discussion about patient diversity and diabetes. For everyone who would like to hear Dr. King speak a little bit more on patient diversity and the Jocelyn Center's research, we highly encourage you to join us on May 7th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our linguistic validation uh, facilitating patient diversity in clinical trials uh, webinar with XTalk and you can hear more from Dr. George King there. Additionally, of course, we have to mention A Taste of Ginger on Sunday, May 16th, 2021 from 7 to 8 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, to purchase tickets or if you are interested in donating, please visit uh, ginger. We would love to see you there. If you can't make it, the Jocelyn Centre would definitely appreciate uh, any sort of contribution. Thank you for tuning in to this month's Coffee and Conversations. Next month, we will be focusing on the importance of mental health awareness and supporting each other during this time. And to um, everyone attending online, uh, wherever you are in the world, uh, we really hope you enjoyed this, this installment of Coffee and Conversations. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Uh, have a good evening, good night, and or good morning, and goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. King. For more information on CSOFT language translation services, visit csoftintl.com.